Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number three and what I believe will be a groundbreaking series for you. It's called, Is the Law Bad? You know, there's so much controversy about uh, whether the law is bad, whether the law is good, how do we use it, how do we relate to it, uh, was Jesus a teacher of the law, was Paul a teacher of grace, all these kinds of questions are spinning around, making it very, very difficult for some people to even understand how to read the Bible. And honestly, I believe many times uh, people get so overwhelmed with all of this information that some people just stop reading the Bible and they just give up and just say, I just can't understand it. Well, you know what? I'm convinced that most of the people are sharing their opinions because they want to help you and because they are seeing something, some aspect of what they're preaching or teaching as a way to help people. But we can't just pick out select aspects of the scripture and apply those. And it's a good thing when we acknowledge if there's something we don't understand that maybe we should pass on that we we understand this, but we don't understand this part instead of just trying to uh, act like we have it all figured out. None of us have it all figured out. So we learned, and you know, if you haven't listened to the previous two messages in, in this, I recommend you go to impactministries.com and you listen to the first two messages, so you'll be on track. They're just 27 minutes long, so it won't take you long to listen to them. But one of the things that we have learned uh, in these last two previous lessons is that the law is not bad. The law is actually something very good that God gave to us for a very good purpose. And but there was a little, there was a little caveat in there. It says the law is good as long as it's used lawfully. Now, if we're not careful there, we will we will not look at other scriptures about the law, and we'll suddenly start making up our own rules about what's lawful and what's not lawful. So we need to be asking the question before we say that the law is bad, or that we say that the law is good, or we make any judgments about the law. Because remember, since God is the one who gave the law, whatever judgments you make about the law, then you are making that judgment about God. And that's a pretty sobering thing to come out and say, God, you made a mistake here. You handled this wrong. This was not right. I don't know why you did this. Matter of fact, uh, you'll be surprised to know that the core of certain of certain very devious religion, religious groups, um, they, they they want you to believe that God can't be trusted. They want you to believe that God wanted the world to be where you couldn't have any fun and they want to blame everything on God. And so every time we every time our first step is to say that okay, uh, God doesn't do that anymore, then we, we've got a problem. Or anytime we say that you know the law will it'll kill you, it'll destroy you. Well there's a lot of things that will kill you and destroy you. Uh I, I saw a post the other day where somebody said, you know, nothing nothing good is going to hurt you. Well that's not what the Bible says. Bob says it don't eat too much eat too much honey, it'll make you sick. Well honey's good. And it's using, it's using an example there uh, that we shouldn't live in any kind of extremes. But anyhow, 
the question we need to be asking before we start passing judgments against God and against people maybe who uh, look at the law differently than we do, maybe the first question we ask them, well, wait a minute, if the law is good until it's used unlawfully, how do I know the unlawful use of the law? And that's what we're going to be talking about today, unlawful use of the law. So let's jump over to Romans chapter 9, starting in verse 30. And Romans 9 is one of the most complicated books of the Bible because it is dealing with the most complicated topics of the Bible. And one of the topics that Romans 9 establishes and spends very many chapters establishing before it gets down to the practical application is the whole concept of faith righteousness. And the thing that we learn about faith righteousness from the book of Romans is that faith righteousness is the stumbling stone of the gospel. More people stumble. Now, the, you know, to stumble means to fall. Uh, it's very similar to uh, being offended, to finding fault, to creating an offense, getting your feelings hurt, uh, getting agitated, getting defensive, getting angry, going, getting into fight mode. So more people stumble over faith righteousness, actually just over righteousness in general, than over any other single subject uh, in all of the Word of God. And so that's why Romans is such a complicated book. So he says in Romans chapter 9, verse 30, what shall we say then? That Gentiles, now the Gentiles were basically anyone who was non-Jewish. Uh, so the non-Jewish people who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness. Now, man, this is, this is where you see why Christianity was such an affront to the Jewish believers. Because these Gentiles that had never served God, never walked with God, they never were concerned about righteousness, they were able to find righteousness. Now, keep in mind, we have not yet come up with very clear definitions of the word righteousness. And the truth is, you never know what you're talking about until you know the definitions of what you're talking about. Uh, th there have been times I would be confused about a, a, something in the Bible for years, and finally go, well, wait a minute, why don't I just look that up and in, in a good language book and find out what it means. And suddenly all the confusion would go away. Well, that's kind of what we got to do with righteousness. But we're going to start with a general principle here. So non-Jews who didn't pursue righteousness, didn't even know what righteousness was, they have attained righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. Now, let me just say this to make sure you understand this. Some people believe that under the Old Testament, that righteous, righteousness was a matter of keeping the law, and people had to keep the law to be righteous before God. But I want you to understand that's not what the Bible says. The Bible teaches us from the law, from the Old Testament, it tells us that, that the righteous have always lived by faith. If you go to the book of Romans, I mean, to the book of Hebrews, and you read through the roll call of faith, it points out how all of the patriarchs of the Old Testament lived by faith. It wasn't because they obeyed the law that it made them righteous. Obeying the law has never made anyone righteous. I'm not saying that. I'm not wanting to get you under the law. I'm not wanting you to be a legalist. I'm just wanting us to be able to hear anything that God says and be able to actually get a biblical perspective on it and let it fulfill its purpose that God may have in our life. And his purpose is for everything he, that he presents is always for our good. It's never, ever, ever for his good. So 
these non-Jews who weren't looking for righteousness, they didn't understand righteousness, they were not trying to find righteousness, they found it, and they found righteousness not by the law, not by obeying the law, but instead they found righteousness because they sought it by faith. Now, faith is nothing more than trusting God to such a degree that you fully commit yourself to whatever it is he says. Faith is not just, oh, oh okay, uh, I'll accept that. Oh, okay, I kind of think that's true. No, faith is where you believe something to the point that you invest your life in it completely and fully. So it says, so it says these Gentiles, they found this righteousness by faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as if it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. So the Jews, the nation of Israel, they passionately, diligently, fervently sought righteousness. But one of the things I hope we'll have enough time to get into, if, if we don't get into it in the video series, I'll definitely be going into this in the audio series. God, every time God gave any commandments or any laws, anytime he gave any directives, he always put a reminder in there that he was the deliverer. He always put a reminder in there that it was about, it was about making it go good in your life, having a, a peaceful nation, having a prosperous nation, having a good life, having your kids grow up, not because you obeyed him and he waved the magic spiritual wand over you and your family, but because he was giving you the wisdom to live by. But Israel could never connect to the righteousness of God because they did not seek it by faith. They thought they could earn it, and they thought God owed them righteousness to whatever degree that they that they served him faithfully. So we understand by this passage of Scripture, and we're going to look at a couple more, we understand that seeking righteousness by any performance of the law is an unlawful way to use the law. Now, in the book of Hebrews, and Nate Tanner and I are, have actually just finished a book together about the foundations of the faith. In the book of Hebrews, it gives you the foundations of the faith, and we have to build all of our doctrine on these foundational doctrines. And if anything in any of our doctrinal positions, anything in our beliefs about God are not in harmony with these foundation stones, then we're going to be off a little bit. I'm not, not, not enough to keep us out of heaven, but we're going to be off and our life and our faith is not going to work. It's not going to produce what God said it would. And so the very first foundation of faith is repentance from dead works. Dead works, I was taught for years, Dead works was this list of evil things that people do, all the sins that we commit. But no, dead works are actually those works that we do without faith involved. In other words, they are not the fruit of faith, and we're doing them to earn something from God. And the very first thing we have to do, if we're going to see God for who he is, if we're going to walk with God and follow him, we've got to trust him, and we've got to trust that righteousness is a gift that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if we if we don't start there, then, then the truth is nothing in the rest of our uh, belief system, nothing in the rest of our walk with God's ever going to go as it should go. Now, continuing in Romans 9, 33, he says, as it is written, 
Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. That, again, is another Old Testament uh, scripture. One of the things I think we fail to see is that almost every good thing that you find in the New Testament and as a part of the New Covenant was a promise that was made somewhere in the Old Testament. And many of the promises were made uh, under the Old Covenant. And we, we don't receive them because, because of the terms of the Old Covenant. We receive them because of the terms of the New Covenant. And the terms of the New Covenant is that we believe what Jesus accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. We believed that whenever we were born again, we were baptized into him, and we share with him all things. And so... So we're starting to understand that even the even the Old Testament, which so many people are so quick to condemn, is where all of our promises come from. And so, uh, if we throw away the Old Testament, we un unintentionally throw away all of the all of the promises. Now, in Romans chapter nine, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit. I'm going to jump down to Romans chapter ten and verse two because Paul is talking about the passion that he has for Israel. He said, "I bear them witness; they have a zeal for God." He says, but the problem is, this is Romans 10 too, problem is their zeal is not according to knowledge. Now, the word zeal can be used in a positive sense. It can be used in a really negative sense. And many times, zeal is more about selfish ambition than it really is about a godly passion. And it can be either one. And the only way you can understand which one it is, is by the context. So yes, the Jews had a zeal uh, for for God, but it was a selfish ambition. It wasn't based on trusting God, what he said. It really wasn't so much about glorifying him as much as it was to them trying to get him to bless them as individuals and bless their nation. So verse three, he says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Now, see, this is, this is the whole crux of of where we start understanding about righteousness. And, and you can't understand the righteousness until you understand the role that law plays in righteousness. And so, so it's becoming very clear to us that when a person uses the law, the works of the law, as a way to earn a righteous standing before God, that they are not seeking God's righteousness, but they are seeking uh, their own righteousness. They are seeking what we would call dead works or works righteousness. Now, the thing that's so that's so disgusting to God about, about works righteousness is works righteousness is a rejection of, what, of the righteousness that Jesus purchased through his death, burial, and resurrection. It is basically saying, I am more righteous in how I live my life than he was in what he did for me. I, he, I will not accept him as my righteousness. I, I, I want to stand before God and be judged by my works. You know, it's an interesting thing. Uh, and I know in this generation, people don't talk much about the, about the judgment. But, you know, uh, part of the foundations of the faith is that we have to understand the judgments of God. You know, there's going to be a judge. There's going to be a white throne judgment where people who reject the righteousness of Jesus don't trust what God has done for them. They're going to stand before God. And they're going to say, I, I want to be judged by my works. I think I, I think I deserve 
get into heaven on my performance more than I deserve getting into heaven by Jesus' performance. Uh, you don't want to be in with that group. Well, there's another judgment that believers will stand before. This is not a judgment that determines if we're going to heaven or hell. It's, it's a, what's called the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ. And this is where all of our works are judged. And anything that's unacceptable to God is burned so that so we never have to stand before him in shame. And whatever is left, we present to him as our life's efforts that belong to him. And, and we're not earning, we're not earning salvation, we're not earning blessings, but but we are presenting all of our life to him, all of it that is worth presenting to him. So we're all going to stand before a judgment seat of, of some kind, and all of our works are going to be judged. But uh, white throne judgment is where people want their salvation to be determined by their works. Uh, the judgment seat of Christ is where we want our standing in the kingdom of heaven when it is here on earth to be based on our works, not our salvation, not our eternal security. But then this last, in verse 4, chapter 10, this brings us down to what we have to understand. Because I'm always hearing people say, you know, the law is over. The law has come to the end. The law is done away with. And, you know, I, I understand, I think I understand what a lot of people mean by that. And, of course, uh, one of the things I have discovered, until a person tells me what they mean by the words they use, I don't know if we're speaking the same language or not. Because for some people, that means that the, that the law has no place in modern society. The law has nothing in my life. The law, is, is, is God doesn't do anything with the law anymore, da 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 da, da. But uh, really, you can't find that anywhere in the New Testament. Uh, you can't find anywhere that the law is done away. Now, you can find some, you can twist and tweak some, trans, some of the translations to make them say what you want them to say. So that's kind of the outcome that you come up with. But Jesus, who is our Lord, and listen, Jesus was very clear that if we did not follow his teachings and build our life on his teachings, and that word teachings or sayings is the Greek word logos. It's the word of God that is alive. It's what the word of God looks like when we're walking in faith. It's what the word of God looks like when we're putting it into practice, when it's coming out of our heart, when we're experiencing the grace of God to empower it so that we're not just doing it in our own strength. So he says that the person who does not build his life on the logos of Jesus' teaching, that person is like the individual who builds their house on sand. And when life's problems come, when the storms rage and the wind blows and hardships arise, your house is going to be destroyed. It's all about your life. It's not God destroying your life. It's what you have chosen to build your life on. You didn't build them on the foundations. But he says that the person who does build their life on the Logos, the living word that he taught us and modeled us and showed us how it should be. He said that person is going to be like the, the one who builds their house on the rock. And when the winds blow and the waves crash against it, it is not going to be destroyed. And in fact, in that same passage of scripture, which is right at the very end of Matthew chapter seven, he says, look, if you do not embrace my teachings, if you don't, if you don't, build your life on my teachings, then don't call me Lord. He says, because I don't know you. I don't think that scripture is saying that we never were saved. I, 
because that is the word. The word no is a word for intimacy. And it's an intimacy that a husband and wife share. And it's an intimacy where people share their dreams, their hopes, they encourage, they strengthen each other. And so, and so we're not building our life on his, Jesus' teaching. And the truth is, we are not letting him have a place, intimate place in our life, where he can teach us how to walk it out, how to, how to put it into practice, how to have victory, uh, give us the wisdom that we need, the strategies that we need to make it always work in our lives. So I struggle with people who would encourage us to not follow the teachings of Jesus uh, because if I can't call him my Lord, according to his teaching, I can't call him my Lord if I am not building my life on his teachings. So this scripture in Romans 10, 4, it doesn't say that, uh, that the law has ended. It says that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, but only to those who believe. Even though Jesus has, has paid for the righteousness for every human being that is alive and that will ever live on planet Earth, that does not mean that they are saved. It does not mean that they're automatically going to heaven. He has he loved mankind enough to pay the price so that no one who rejects him will stand before God and say, well, you know, he didn't pay for my salvation because he did. So he is the end of the law. Now, that word end is very, very interesting. It comes from the Greek word telos, a telos. And, uh, and it's kind of interesting because that word, even though it can mean to reach the, the limit or the uh, more than just reaching a, a, a limit, of where, where something ends to be. Matter of fact, it's not even referring to the end of something altogether. It's, it's talking about something reaching a definite point or definite goal. Uh, it's, aimed at a, it's, it's aimed at a final purpose. Uh, so really what we understand, and uh, you'll see this, you'll see the positive values that the law has played all throughout history and what the law has played could have been in our lives, could have been the lives of Israel. And you'll discover that the purpose of the law was to point us to an ultimate goal. And that ultimate goal was going to be that a Savior would come and a Savior would, would fulfill all of the righteous requirements of the law. And God would make a new covenant with him. A covenant is just a, a biblical word for contract. And so God would make a new contract and the old contract would be done away with. And in this new contract, uh, the terms for righteousness and the terms for the promises of God, the terms for receiving inheritance, they change. And so these terms are that Jesus is going to qualify for all of this. He, the covenant's going to be made with him. It's not going to be made with us. We will, we will be baptized into his physical body. We will become one with him. Therefore, everything that he has becomes ours. So the reality of it is, Works righteousness is when we actually reject what Jesus has done and we try to accomplish that ourselves. We try to accomplish that in our own lives. So the primary way that that is unlawful to use the law is to use the law as a substitute, uh, uh, works as a substitute for believing what God says. Remember, believing what God says is more than just saying, okay, I, I think that might be true. Or, you know, saying, okay, I, I can agree with that. Belief, the word faith is a word that 
is married to the concept of bearing fruit. In other words, there is no concept in the New Testament about believing something but not obeying it. If we are not doing something, if we're not putting something into practice, then you know we've either we're either having a slip up, we're 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 kind of off our game, or we're kind of ignoring God or whatever for a moment. But uh, uh, if we're not walking in the things that we say we believe, and the truth is, we might intellectually agree with them, but we don't believe them in our heart. God wants us to believe in our heart everything that Jesus did for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. And one of the things that we'll talk about, too, one of the great struggles of righteousness in modern Christianity is that uh, very few people actually hear and believe the, the biblical account of the gospel. And most of what people struggle with all of their life as believers uh, is because they don't know what to have faith in because they never actually got exposed to the very basics of Christianity. Now, listen, I just want to encourage you. I have a complete audio series uh, with this. I always create an audio series for people who want to take a deeper dive, who, people who want to learn this, people who want to walk in this, people who are serious about living as disciples. Also, because so many, so many ministers use this material, reteach this material. They take it and make it their own and do whatever they want to do with it. So you might want, you might want to download the audio series. And the audio series is not a duplicate of this uh, series. The audio series has hours and hours and hours of valuable biblical information that we don't have time to put into these video presentations. And you can download that. You can follow along with those messages, with these messages. You can use them for home groups. You know, that, that's one of the things that we love is we, we have what we call impact groups or I groups all over the world. You can have an I group. You can use the audios, the videos, or any of them for your for your home groups, for your church groups. We will to do everything we can to invest in you. Also, we are in the process and have been for a number of years in starting Bible schools all over the world. Our goal is to raise up one billion disciples unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we want them to, to know the love of God. We want them to understand faith righteousness. We want them to live by the grace of God. We want them to be faithful servants of God. And we want everyone to be ready to be an overcomer no matter what we face in this world. And we want to be able to influence our families, our cities, our friends. So if you're interested in becoming a world changer with us, go to my, to my uh website, impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Check out World Changers and join in with us and help us take this gospel all over the world, and we will together change the way the world sees God. Thank you for joining me, diving into this. Be sure and go through this a few times because we're going to take another deep dive next week. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.